Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 246th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, I'm doing great today. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, my little pauses there reminded me of last week. Uh, I think it was Tim that, com- I can't remember who commented about the long pause we took after talking about uh, the tweet about Kobe Brown yeah, like going in the transfer portal. Yeah, and that was a scary moment for me he personally. He didn't go in the transfer portal. No, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, that cracked me up because I went and listened to it. And yeah, we just like, I, I think you brought it up. And there was I was just like, like a five second pause where you're both just like thinking through yeah. everything. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the ramifications of that are our world uh, crumbling around us. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have much to riff on here early. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That's fine. Um, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk more about this basketball transfer portal. There's new news and, uh, yeah, we'll touch on the Kobe Brown situation. He talked about the rumors of his, of him transferring. He was asked about that in a draft combine press conference. And then we're going to do something fun, uh, talking about the Mizzou quarterback situation with Brady Cook and sort of comparing his stats last year to some notable quarterback seasons of Mizzou years past. Uh, But we're doing it in kind of a fun way. I put together a list of stat lines from quarterbacks from previous seasons and didn't put the names on it. And Kyle is going to try to figure out, and you can play along at home, Kyle is going to see if he can figure out who, which Mizzou quarterback belongs to each stat line, and then we'll kind of compare them and see if there's any surprises and what that might mean for the outlook of Mizzou football under uh, with Brady Cook as the quarterback. Potentially. Yeah. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Are you, are you up for that challenge? I'm up for it. I'm excited. Uh, before we get to in, into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. So, Kyle, um, Mizzou basketball was just uh, striking out on every transfer that they reached out to. Uh, Nothing's changed really on that end. However, uh, some interesting developments. Um, We had reached out to Kansas forward Zuby Ejiofor. But he committed to St. John's. But just you wait. There's another Kansas big in the transfer portal who has had contact from Missouri. Ernest Uda Jr. is in the portal. He's also heard from everybody else. He played one year at Kansas last year, I think averaged two points on eight minutes per game. But he is 6'11", 250 or something like that. Now, are you one of those guys that you're kind of just like, I don't want him? He played for Kansas, uh, get him out of here, any of that kind of stuff, any of, the, any of that, those attitudes? I don't think so. I think I would embrace the uh, narrative of he's like, he's uh, he's come to the light side now or come to the dark okay. side. Like we could be the bad guys in that situation. Okay. Like we stole this player away. And now they're going to be great for Mizzou. And something they took, like that. They took Parker Brown. Yeah. In yes, in the compensation for the trade. Yeah, I mean, I feel like how many players have played for both Kansas and Missouri 
in men's basketball i don't probably very few if any i feel like parker brown might be the first one to be on scholarship for men's basketball for we both might, schools and it's possible we could have two at the same time the same year Ooh, that would be yeah i doubt it no yeah me too uh long list of suitors yeah like i can't remember uh duke um ohio state kansas state Lots of teams. Florida like, State. There was like 20 schools you yeah. rattled off there. Yeah. So Still looking for a big man. Yeah, apparently Pretty telling. So. Should we just say it's okay? I'm, is it How telling is it, I guess? Yeah, elaborate there a little bit. I think it's very telling. Like, the staff is worried? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we have exhausted so many different options, and none of them have worked out. Uh, even dating back to last year, we really didn't get the personnel we were looking for i don't think and that's i'm afraid it's the exact same scenario and i think some of these big dudes are they're they're scared (laughs) i don't i have no idea what's going on there i it's just crazy unlucky or we are out of nil money or something man i don't know what's going on but uh striking out for sure like you said okay so regardless so yeah, the staff uh, seems to not be comfortable with who we have to man the five spot, or at least they would like some more depth there. Now, Kyle, from your fan perspective, knowing how last year's season went, now it seems like this staff can adapt to whatever personnel they have to some extent. Um, if you've got Aiden Shaw, are you? how comfortable are you rolling him out there at the five primarily? Um, we brought in Jesus, who is a stretch four stretch five type of player those two guys in the post maybe can make something happen we do have a a true he will be a true freshman um butler who's close to seven foot yeah I, can we cobble together something that that uh and still resemble a tournament team yeah i think so it's just i i think we're just gonna have to do what we did this this past year and just play super high risk high reward type basketball and really push and transition and stuff like that. And I don't know, man, we're going to have to get really creative. I think Aiden Shaw can play the five in a, in a up-tempo. He's going to have to really run and gun situation, really bulk up, I think in the off season, but I think yeah. he, he can do it. Yeah. But probably not who your ideal candidate is going into the year. Yeah. At least that style of play is entertaining no matter what. Yeah, uh, score a lot of points, play no defense. That might still be a thing <laughs> next year. We'll play uh, unorthodox defense that doesn't look great no, on paper. No but defense, and also whenever they miss, we'll just let them get the rebound and score. Yeah, that's yeah. We might be doing a little bit of that next year. That's fine. If we win another tournament game, I'll be happy. Um, okay, so we're still after a big uh, Parker Brown to Kansas. That's interesting. Uh, but the biggest name uh, in basketball news today is Caleb Love. Have you heard of him? Yeah. He's not going to Michigan. After like two weeks ago, there was rumors that he might not actually be going to Michigan. Then he tweeted confirmation, I will be playing for Michigan next year. Yeah, we we recorded, I think, two weeks ago, and we knew about the rumors about Caleb Love. And I thought about bringing something up about it, and then I was like, and I didn't on the episode. And literally later that night, he tweeted out confirmation that he was going to play for Michigan. Don't even trip, dog. It's all good. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really glad I didn't bring that up because you know why? The dream is dead. Yeah. Just move on. 
It's it's over with. And then here we are. Two weeks later, it's like official. He is not going to Michigan. And it sounds like it's admissions related. Didn't have the credits to officially transfer. You think you probably want to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Wasn't a concern <laughs> until yeah. now, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Matt Norlander tweeted that uh, that he tweeted about the admissions issue. Also added that North Carolina, returning to North Carolina would not be an option. What's going on? I don't know. Is Caleb Love going to have to be just forced to play for Missouri? Or are we going to be second place to Indiana or whoever? Yeah, the, the only way again. the only way Caleb Love is a Missouri Tiger is he's exhausted all other opportunities, and if he wants to play college basketball again, it has to be at Mizzou. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's kind. I, it's it's funny because we just talked about um, Dominic Lovett last week. We talked about his situation with. Um, his coach getting fired at Arizona State and then having to decide between reopening his recruitment or just going to Mizzou because there was familiarity already baked in, even though that wasn't really what he wanted to do. And it kind of feels similar to this situation yeah. where it's like, okay, my options are drying up, but Mizzou is there and I have that familiarity. I already know that they would take me. So, Yeah, I mean, every time... Caleb Love has announced a decision, like coming out of high school, uh, and then when he transfers to North Carolina, uh, just recently. Yeah, Missouri's been there in that recruitment and kind of made us feel like we have a shot here. And yeah. I feel like we are going to find out for real whenever he makes the, his next decision, like if Missouri was ever an option. Because if he doesn't pick Missouri this yeah. time around. It was never, ever even remotely an option for him, and it was just he was just saying that to be nice, and that's yeah. very possible. Well, okay. Well, let me give you this scenario. He goes to Indiana or wherever, and the rumor mill spins up that actually Mizzou was out and had moved on, Okay, and the backcourt positions had filled up, and so thanks but no thanks, you missed your chance. That's very possible. If he doesn't go to Mizzou, that's going to be the narrative that fans will from our side onto. yeah absolutely exactly. yeah i mean i guess that is something and some that, fans are already there like too bad like you passed us over twice yeah we've moved on a lot of know. fans didn't want him like when most was, recently yes when he's yeah. transferring from north carolina because of you know his high volume and yeah some of his inefficiencies and stuff which is that's completely valid if you feel that way um so yeah i mean maybe maybe it's not like automatic that missouri's throwing their hat back in the ring here I don't really know. I Are mean, you taking him if you're in charge? I mean, if, yeah, I think I am. But I think the situation is really complicated, though, because we added Caleb Grill. We added Tamar Bates. Mm -hmm. You know, we have options. And I think Isaiah Mosley is going to be on this team next year. That's a little bit of a crowded room. And maybe uh, talent just is going to rise to the top here. But, well, uh, and I think it gives Coach Gates and, and, the Mizzou side of things, some leverage to, to be like, listen, yeah, we've got a spot for you, but you need to understand how this is going to work, how you're going to fit into this team. Whereas if we didn't have those other players that we feel okay about in the backcourt, it might be more of a situation where he gets to come in and, you know, take all the shots he wants. But, you know, I've seen some speculation that he, what would be great for Caleb Love is to come into a program. I mean, the Missouri starters last year and like top two guys off the bench, 
put up insanely high efficiency numbers. Like, obviously, the team had an offensive rating in the top 10 most of the season, and the individual players had their best offensive seasons since they've been in college. Like, the top six or seven guys on Mizzou's roster all had career years. So it seems like what Coach Gates is wanting to do on offense is really good for these guys' numbers. And so I feel like uh, with Caleb Love's biggest weakness being his efficiency, it's kind of a match made in heaven to get this guy some easy runouts and some transition threes. And It's a problem that can be fixed, you think? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you, though. I still take him, and I think... uh, You figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be fascinating. This is the most bizarre... It's like recruitment, you know, whatever. I don't even even call it a recruitment. four-year-long recruitment. And then watch him never actually play at Mizzou. I'm pretty sure the first episode we ever recorded of this podcast, like five years ago, we were talking about Caleb Love. Yeah. Like in just basketball recruiting and Caleb Love was like our number one priority. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. We had just right around that time, correct me if I'm wrong, we had just watched him play uh, in the state championship against Isaiah Mosley in Rockbridge. Yeah. As a junior. So, yeah. His name has been he around just, Mizzou basketball for such a long time. Just won't go away. And he's no. never played a single minute and might never. One of the most talked about people on this on this podcast. You would take him. Are you predicting he will end up at Missouri? I have no idea. I think um yeah, I mean I, I guess, yeah. I I mean I think it's going to be Missouri or Indiana. <laughs> I think he goes to Indiana. I just think that's fine. I don't know. At this point, that's yeah. fine. Just, just please stop tormenting me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that means like as soon as we publish this episode, he'll he'll, he'll end up at like Arizona State. Yeah. Go to UCLA or something. <laughs> um, yeah, watch him just go West Coast. Anyway. Going G League. I guess that's an option. Um let's move on here to Kobe Brown. Kobe, we've talked about him every week, one of our favorite players, and he, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, It the more information we get, especially the more Kobe Brown talks, the more I think he is not returning to Mizzou, that's my mindset right now, is he's going to stay in the NBA draft, probably get drafted in the second round, and then whatever happens, happens. Yep, I think I agree with you. Um, I think, obviously, what he wants to do is is be drafted to go to the nba and to try his best and see what happens and i think that's a good decision for him um yeah there was a new there was a new clip today of a interview question where he was actually asked about the rumors of him entering the transfer portal and all that nonsense and he was like i haven't seen any of that I have all of my electronic devices on do not disturb and I'm just focused on this draft process Mm -hmm. and what he wants. He said, what I want most is to be drafted right, and And go to the NBA. Like a bunch of Kentucky fans that were saying like, all right, he's transferring. And I'm just like, that's really not what I got from that. I didn't get that at all. But but the replies were full of people being like, oh, he's he's coming. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I think Kobe's a stand-up dude. I think he understands the magnitude of the legacy conversation 
and um, like, well, which it's what put us in just a dead silence last yeah. week was us thinking about would he throw away the legacy for money? Yeah. And I think Kobe's one of the few guys that probably wouldn't. And um, I truly think it's uh, it's NBA or bust at this point. And I really feel like he was being genuine that he's not even thinking about the transfer portal yeah. or anything right now. And he's he's training for the com- you know in the, in the combine. He's training to be drafted. And if some if some by long some long shot that doesn't work out, then he would probably go back to Mizzou. Exactly. Yeah, that seems to be where he's been at the whole time. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would say earlier on in the process, I would have thought if you'd asked me my opinion, I would say, oh, there's probably still some desire from his side to return to Mizzou. And at this point, I would say that is not the case. Simply Plan B. Yes, absolutely. It is a fallback option, and it, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that I'm at the point now in my head where I think if he's t- being told that he's absolutely going to be drafted, it doesn't seem like he's caring that much about any guaranteed money or anything like that. No. Or maybe it also maybe seems like and I'm uh, trying to pull a lot out of just a few little sound bites but um he seemed pretty just like at ease with where he is in the process yeah that makes me think he has heard some good feedback that he's happy about and likes his chances of staying in the draft considering what he's hearing yeah i think i saw a mock draft with like the highest i've seen him go is like mid 30s which would be the beginning of the second round and that's huge because i saw something this was going back a few years it was a little bit outdated information but i was trying to figure out how much these guys are getting paid and how much of it's guaranteed and stuff and the cutoff that i saw was like if you're drafted drafted in the top 40 like 90 something percent of those guys are getting guaranteed money in their rookie deals so um and obviously he doesn't get to be drafted and then decide what he wants to do right so if he's being told that he's around that 40 mark then that i think is full steam ahead we're staying in the nba draft if he drops considerably and he's looking like a fringe second round to undrafted player then i think it's a different conversation but yeah i mean i've seen him lower than that but it seems like 35 to 45 seems pretty reasonable so mentally we're moving on we'll celebrate him when it happens and if he comes back that would be fantastic but don't plan on it um anything else basketball related you want to talk about kyle that's it then let's move on to this mizzou quarterback uh blind test blind resumes basically blind taste test blind taste test (laughs) kyle's gonna taste these quarterbacks and see which one he likes um so kyle you can look at your phone at a list of stat lines i sent you and producer cameron is going to be putting them up on the screen uh so pause it at some point and See if you can figure out at home uh, which quarterback season goes with each stat line. There's six of them. It's kind of a lot. They're all very similar. 
And the way I've broken it down for Kyle at the beginning here it's is the most confusing way possible. Yes. We're trying, and we don't want to make it too easy on Kyle because he's pretty smart. Um, I've combined passing and rushing stats. So this is total yards, total touchdowns, and interceptions is what we're looking at. Yeah, because if it was like total passing yards and rushing yards like separated, it would probably be pretty easy to figure yeah. it out. Now, I do have that information ready to go. A sort of, uh, We'll introduce that after Kyle's given this chance, uh, uh, given his best shot at this. And uh, yeah, let's uh, pause right now. We're about to start talking about it. If you want to try on your own, if you want to just play along as we go, then here we go. Yeah, so this is going to be really difficult, and I was kind of trying to find some of the outlier seasons here. Like, I think A is maybe one of the best seasons because of just how few interceptions were thrown here. Um, but B is probably pretty easily the worst season out of out of these six. And so, and we're talking about a timeline of probably Blaine Gabbert to present day. Correct. So that means we're talking about Blaine Gabbert, Corbin Burkstresser, potentially, James Franklin, Matty Mock, Drew Locke, Kelly Bryant, Connor Bazelak, and Brady Cook. Could be any of those guys. Um, and uh, maybe let's just... What Kyle's looking at right now is, for those of you just listening, uh, player A is 2,900 total yards, 23 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Total touchdowns, 23, just six interceptions. That's the fewest interceptions of anybody on the list. And so you're thinking that's pretty much one of the better seasons on here? Yeah, that's one of the safer safer stat lines. Not somebody that blew up, but... Six interceptions is the least amount out of anybody on this list. I think, man, I, I feel like Brady Cook threw a lot of interceptions in the first half of the season, but he did not throw very many at all on the back half. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I just need to take a stab at somebody here. I'm going to say that A is James Franklin and B do you want me to like just run down here? Well, you tell me what you want. Do you want me to tell you immediately if you get one right or wrong? Let me just throw out you a guess. You could lock in an answer or something. Okay. I'll yeah. let you speculate a little bit and then if you want to lock one in, I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. Okay. I'll say I'll say James Franklin is A. That is correct. James Franklin is A from 2013. Uh that is just under 3000 total yards. 23 touchdowns and six interceptions. James Franklin, 2013, obviously that was the year that uh, Missouri went to the SEC championship game. I lost to Auburn. Still a little bit banged up, though, from uh, the shoulder injury. Yeah, he did that in only 10 games played. Mm -hmm. Matty Mock got in there a little bit. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about this a little bit before, but uh, James Franklin, crazy, crazy. Interesting career at Mizzou. His sophomore season, um, he had 15 rushing touchdowns and uh, more passing touchdowns. He played the whole season. Uh, He had close to 4,000 total yards and like 30 total touchdowns. It was kind of insane. Hmm. 
So you got James Franklin. You got him. Okay. One for one. I'm assuming there's no duplicates here? Correct. These okay. are all different quarterbacks. All right. Okay, so we're looking at B now, and that's probably the worst season on here. 2,500 total yards, 16 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. I immediately want to think of one of those early like Drew Locke seasons. Like He played some in 2015. He kind of had to take over from Matty Mock um, whenever Matty Mock was dismissed from the team. Honestly, I don't think Drew Locke even threw 16 touchdowns in that season. It was such an abysmal offensive year. Um, so I'm going to... Let's see. And I think his next season, 2016, was probably better than that, is how I'm perceiving that. Kelly Bryant is in here, but I don't think Kelly Bryant played enough to have this many statistics. Like I don't think he had that many yards. So I'm just going to say that B is Connor Bazelak. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> B is Connor Bazelak. Uh, interesting note about this Connor Bazelak season. So this is 2021, um, Bazelak's sophomore year. He had uh, actually more passing yards than total yards because his rushing yards were negative 23 or something like that. Uh, and I think zero rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, that's basically his passing stat line minus some sack yards. Yeah, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. Yeah. That was a, kind of a frustrating year. 2,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So Kyle has made this a little bit easier for himself by going two for two. So we've got four seasons left. Yeah, but the last four seasons are really hard to discern from one another because they're all over 3,000 passing yards and like the touchdown to interception ratio is like pretty similar mm -hmm. so it was on c we're looking at uh 3400 total yards 21 touchdowns and nine interceptions now this to me looks a little bit more like maybe that 2016 drew lock season um we've got matty mock and his 2014 season in there somewhere potentially brady cook is in here for sure i know that for sure and i think Blaine Gabbert's in here. So I think that we're looking at a Blaine Gabbert, Matty Mock, Drew Locke, and Brady Cook for the last four. I just need to figure out what order those are in. Do you want to know if that's correct or not? Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Those are the four. I figured there would probably be no Kelly Bryant, no Corbin Burns dresser. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Keep thinking. But I, when you mentioned Kelly Bryant, I'll be honest, I had forgotten about him. Uh, Kelly Bryant would have fit nicely in here, actually, because we would have been looking at 2,500 total yards, um, 16 total touchdowns, and six interceptions. So... Hmm. Yeah, that would have camouflaged in there for sure. Yeah, that would have been like... When you were considering Kelly Bryant with B, yeah, you were th actually thinking exactly right. This is pretty close. Man, this is really tough. This is pretty much just got to be guesses at this point because... Man, Brady Cook, already, I can already tell by looking at these stats, if any one of these stat lines belong to Brady Cook, you know, over 3,000 passing yards, t at least 20 touchdowns. Total like, yards, total yards. Total yards. Yeah. Oh, did I say rushing yards? You said passing. Passing. Yeah. Okay, over 3,000 total yards, 20 touchdowns or more. Like His season already looks a little bit better than I probably would have guessed. Um, I don't think he threw 13 interceptions. That's the highest amount of interceptions on here. 
I'm going to say this is Brady Cook. I'm going to say, man, that seems like a lot of yards. But, he, man, he was really rushing a lot towards the end of the year. I'll say C is Brady Cook, uh, 3,400 3, total yards, 21 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Is that correct? That is incorrect. Mm. Okay. Very close. Very close. All right. I'll just try to figure out C, then I'll just keep throwing out guesses for C before okay. we move on to the next ones. Is that Drew Locke's 2016 season? It is not. Okay. It's got to be Blaine Gabbert. It is Blaine Gabbert's 2010 season. That was the year that uh, Missouri beat Oklahoma at home when Oklahoma was number one in the country. And then uh, Blaine Gabbert got his world rocked by uh, Indomitian Sioux in the rain (laughs) in Nebraska. I remember that. And he was never the same, but still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL draft. All right. So, yeah, Super Bowl Blaine Gabbert. Super Bowl winning American quarterback. American hero, Blaine Gabbert. That's true. Um, yeah. But that season, uh, 3,400 total yards, 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Still feels like, you know, and obviously I think I was in like middle school during this season or something like that. Uh, I don't remember it very well. But it seems like those stats, I would have thought that were would have been better from someone that went top 10 in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. But um, I th- really feel like, you know, he had the like prototypical NFL starter measurables, especially in that era of the NFL, like, you know, the six, six big arm kind of quarterback, like pocket passer. Um, okay. So we're looking at D now we've got three more and this one, give us the stat line real quick. It was 3,300 total yards, 20 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So this would have been, just a slightly worse season than this Blaine Gabbert season we're talking about. Man, it feels like in my mind, I don't think Brady Cook threw 13 interceptions, but it's like maybe my mind's playing tricks on me, which is the stat line for E that I'm looking at is 13 interceptions. Um, uh, real quick, Blaine Gabbert, his sophomore season, so 2009, 3,500, almost 3,600 passing yards. 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So stat line-wise, his sophomore year, much better just purely quarterback stats, although uh, considerably lower completion percentage. Okay, so I'm gonna, I am gonna. think I'm just going to take a stab here. I feel like Matty Mock had a little bit of the gunslinger mentality going. I feel like people associated him with interceptions and just a lot of just just chucking the ball the old Matty mock arm punt yes exactly third and long yeah i i think he threw a decent amount of interceptions but maybe not as many as people think he did okay okay but drew lock threw a lot of interceptions at sometimes too man Uh, so just so we're clear we're having trouble figuring out between last year's brady cook season 2014 Matty Mock and 2016 Drew Locke. Is that for sure the season? It, yes. The 2016 one? So I just I just want it to sink in a little bit that those are the three seasons that we're having trouble with here. Do okay. you want to split up E into passing and rushing? Tell me at any point I can tell you how the total yards are split up. I think that would make it too easy. Okay. So I'm just going to take a guess. Okay. 
for each of these. I'm just going to, I'll guess for you. Let me give you, let me give you one thing before you take your guess. Okay. Let me give you their completion percentages because I meant to put this on there originally. Okay. D, we're just deciding between D, E, and F, right? Yeah. D, completion percentage, 65%. E, completion percentage, 53%. F, 55%. To 53 on, yeah. on, on e. e. Yeah. Wow. Okay. May, that may have actually hurt you. That I may don't have think made that it worse. Okay. at all um, <laughs> somehow. Who would have had a 65% completion? Okay, I'll guess D is Brady Cook. That is correct. Brady Cook, 2022... Uh, 2,700 passing yards, 585 rushing yards, 65% completion. Really? Man, 65% completion. Yeah. That seems really high. So looking at that passing only, 2,700, 65%. It was 64.8 or something like that. Uh, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions passing. He, which I'm pretty sure he threw most of those in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um then bumping up those numbers for our total yards is almost 600 yards on the ground and six more touchdowns. Wow. Okay, so that leaves us with E and F. E is uh, just over 3,000 total yards, 27 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. So in a f- completion... Most touchdowns and most interceptions. Right and there. a completion rate of 53%. Man. And then F, to compare... 3,500 total yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Okay, I think I'm going to guess that... So, man, we won the East in 2014, but we really did kind of limp through it, is what it felt like at times. We lost to Indiana early in the season. Got some luck from the other East teams losing. Yeah, won some some really close games that were low-scoring. Got shut out by Georgia that year? Yeah. Yeah. But then Georgia luckily lost two yeah, conference games. Yeah, we lost like 34 to 0 against yeah. Georgia or something. I think this stat line makes sense for Matty Mock. It's 3,000 total yards, 27 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. So high touchdowns, high interceptions, but not very many yards. I think that's I think that's Matty Mock. That's correct. And so F, we're looking at over 3,500 yards, so 500 more yards than Matty Mock through that season, 24 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That makes sense with Drew Locke just running up the score on bad teams, yeah. not really doing anything meaningful against good teams. It's yeah. what we saw a lot of in 2016. A lot of uh, a lot of hope for um, for bigger things in the future. Passing yards, it was 750 more yards almost. Wow. Yeah, and I feel like there was a couple <clears throat> games where he threw for like 500 yards against terrible teams. Okay, so, uh, yeah, you got them all. So if you want to write down, uh, Kyle, the correct answers, then you can look at the next image on your phone is the passing and rushing split mm. and then also totaled up. Um, so... This should be, we're going to try to put this on the screen right now. And A is James Franklin in 2013. B is Connor Bazelak in 2021. And jump in if you have anything interesting in, in between these. C is Blaine Gabbert in 2010. D is Brady Cook last year. E 
is Matty Mock in 2014. F is Drew Lock in 2016. Uh, to to uh, the Drew Lock seasons run together for me. Frank, try try to put 2016. Um, that was like we lost a heartbreaker to Georgia. Five passing touchdowns early against like Eastern, Eastern Michigan or yeah. somebody like that, and then lost at LSU. I yes, we, I think we beat like Delaware State like a hundred to zero. That was maybe like the sixth touchdown game I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they kept him in through like the third quarter. They literally shortened the game because yes. we were beating them so yeah. bad. Yeah, and then we went and got absolutely smoked in Baton Rouge. I got to watch that one in in uh. Before my very eyes, that was very nice. So sophomore Drew Lock in 2016. Yeah. Okay. So now, what are your thoughts? Now you see, I mean, you know who everybody is. You see this in front of you. Any conclusions to draw here? Yeah, there's definitely conclusions. At least there's a lot. There's a lot that comes to mind about Brady Cook and his season from last year. I think I may have more questions than conclusions, though. Is is where my brain's going though because makes you want to go watch all of his snaps from last year immediately i was like wait what's going on here are like are expectations too high for brady cook why like i thought our defense was pretty elite like what you know how are we uh how did we not win more than six games should we have been letting brady cook more probably honestly yeah, I mean, looking at Brady Cook's stats, he basically had almost an identical season to Blaine Gabbert when he went top ten in the NFL draft. And Missouri was a top ten, top uh, was maybe like sixth in the country after beating Ex- Oklahoma. Yeah, except he threw two less interceptions. Yeah, than, than Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I thought the comparison of the James Franklin season was interesting. Yeah, I mean, more yards. Yeah, and obviously. Um, Franklin only played 10 games that year, and this is 13 games of Brady Cook. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, three more games, yeah, uh, James Franklin would have passed him. But I don't know. It's like the 14 touchdowns is the fewest passing touchdowns of anybody on this list mm-hmm. of any of these seasons. And I feel like that is... That's where the discrepancy is. The, yeah. The, the problem that that seems to me like the thing that is keeping his season from being uh you know not thought of as a disappointment right and you know it's easy to just you know lose the nuance in the season when you just think about the fact that we won six games and then you remember the auburn game where we basically won it three times and somehow yeah. didn't actually win and um i don't know there's the georgia game we probably should have won that game you know um mitchell walters doesn't false start on the one or you know whatever we get in the end zone one more time or whatever uh you know you can easily craft a narrative that missouri was a couple of plays away from winning eight or nine games oh yeah we've known that yeah and then there would be this list would make complete sense right be like oh yeah and that's another one of those good seasons that the solid quarterback led Mizzou to eight wins. Right. And even still with these statistics, there's still a lot of nuance maybe that we're missing, but it does feel, it does just at least initially make me like less eager to give up on Brady cook. Okay. So that's where I want to jump in and tell everybody the reason we're even doing this is because I was trying to figure out for myself before this episode, just as we start getting into the summer months of, talking about who the quarterback is going to be. I was trying to figure out where I come down on that. And I feel like I have been more on the side of, please, let's see somebody else 
behind center. Yeah. If if we go into this season and Brady Cook is the name the starter again, what does that say about the direction of the program? What does that say about Coach Drinkwitz? All this stuff. That was me, you know, a few days ago thinking, um, how disappointing is it going to be when Brady Cook is named the starter? And I needed to figure out what was going on there. And then actually we had a um, YouTube comment that said, all it said was 2023 equals 2013 with a crystal ball emoji. Wow. And I was like, uh, I was we like, had a real savant drop in. That's a, a comment. Like, that's quite a prediction there. That's a pretty bold prediction. But then I was like, wait a second. I feel like just off the top of my head, Brady Cook's season last year, I wonder how that stacks up to like a James Franklin season. Right. And then what like improvements might we see or might we be able to expect on top of that to even have potentially a season better than James James Franklin's senior season. Yeah. And then I got looking and I was like, wow, there's a lot of big we've we've talked about the succession of quarterbacks in Mizzou recent history and they're all listed here with seasons that are very much comp- comparable to uh, Brady Cooks from last year. So this exercise was almost mostly for me to try to get just my head around uh, some perspective this quarterback situation. Yeah, I feel like there's just uh, this is just an avalanche of Brady Cook propaganda we're throwing out here. But like, you're sitting here explaining this, and I'm like, I'm starting to just the wheels are turning. I'm starting to just craft this <laughs> this narrative in my head. I'm like, whole defense is coming back, basically. Yeah. Better offensive line. Yeah. Potentially. New offensive coordinator where Drink doesn't have to call the plays or hopefully some of that weight is lifted off of him. Think how much Drew Locke improved season to season, which this is not, Brady Cook's not Drew Locke. But, but just think about a quarterback that played at Missouri for multiple years. Think about the improvement that was made every year. Can Brady Cook take uh, even just, you know, a fraction of a step that that Drew Locke took in between his seasons, like, is there some way that, you know, Brady Cook comes back and leads the team to eight or nine wins? I think that's possible. Yeah, that's where uh, after this whole exercise, that's where I come down. Is like, what yeah, I, there's no there's no reason not to think that that is possible. Yeah, would I have said that a week ago? Probably not. And th- another interesting thing to think about is uh, Blaine Gabbert, Drew Locke, James Franklin. Um, their best seasons statistically were not the seasons where they led Missouri to the most wins. Like uh, Drew Locke's senior year, his raw stats were worse than his junior year. Uh, James Franklin's best season statistically was a sophomore season. Uh, Blaine Gabbert's best season statistically was his sophomore season. So we don't even need the, the raw numbers to be that much better than they were last year. I mean, right. passing touchdowns need to come up a bit, but yeah, um, like literally, that's... just we need a few more bounces to go our way. I, you know, one thing that I would love to see that I think they kind of figured out in the second half of the season is Brady Cook's rushing ability, and man, that got us out of some really tough spots uh, later on in the year as he kind of started to figure out the option game a little bit and how dangerous he could be on the ground. Like that just added a whole new dimension to the offense. It definitely seemed later in the season that the coaching staff was more willing to call those type of plays right now i remember in the moment thinking um that that maybe was a little bit of a sign of desperation a bit like 
maybe I'm wrong here, but maybe you protect your quarterback a little bit more and try to keep him in the pocket, try to keep him clean early in the season, and you're just expecting to win these games with him in the pocket Mm -hmm. versus later in the season, hey, we need to get some wins. We got to just pull out all the stops and let let Brady cook. And he's going to get hit some more, but we got to just figure out what we can do here. Yeah. Yeah, so I could I can maybe see I I think we'd be maybe setting ourselves up for disappointment if we're like, oh, they figured that out at the right. end of the year last year and game one it's gonna be uh, you know, Brady Cook averaging a hundred yards a game or, you know, sixty yards per game right. and getting, you know, almost you know, getting like eight design runs per game. Yeah. Ideally he's not running as much as exactly. he was last year, but it was working to some extent. No, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, man. Like, I feel like I've always been kind of a Sam Horn stan. Like, I mean, what what's not to like about Sam Horn? Exactly. And, I, and I'm definitely not. I, I I still, maybe if I could choose who the day one starter is, I still think I give a pretty hard look at Sam Horn. But I, you know, Whatever happens, Coach Drinkwitz is is hanging his Missouri career on it, and you know whatever happens, I think it's it's do or die for Coach Drinkwitz. He knows that obviously. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in the program. A lot of futures hinge on this season, you know, players and coaches alike. So uh, whoever it is, I think we've got to be right. And the fact that Coach Drinkwitz knows exactly what he has in Brady Cook, the fact that he can be better and utilize his skill set with a new offensive coordinator and all that makes me think that there's a pretty good chance we're running it back. I do think it's interesting that the two highest completion percentages on this list were Connor Bazelak and Brady Cook, both at 65%. Just those safe little dump-offs. Exactly. Those passes to the sideline. Now, So we definitely weren't just imagining that like they were just like in this little box. Like yeah. you Don't throw it you know, beyond five yards box. Yeah, well, yeah, we would talk about like it was either a pass to the sideline or a deep shot. And so I'm hoping a new offensive coordinator, we're mixing it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're seeing it, looking at this list, like you can afford to lose five, 10 points off that completion percentage if it means more touchdowns. More touchdowns. Yeah, add a little flavor to those route trees. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, you look at... um going to the SEC championship game with Matty Mock throwing or uh, completing 53% of his passes. Yeah, that was definitely a season where everything just kind of broke the right way for us, for sure, yeah. looking back. To end up there after, yeah, having some pretty sketchy moments. But I thought that was, uh, I'm yeah, glad yeah. I thought of that. I pat That's, myself on the back a little bit. That was kind of job. fun. That was a pretty fun exercise. Hopefully that really worked just, okay for audio only. Yeah, uh, You might have to check it out on YouTube. but Really just twisting our brains. Yeah, so all the everybody who's stuck by Brady Cook this whole time, like you, not very many of you probably. This is your chance to say, "Told you so." There's nothing to be too alarmed about. Even if Brady Cook never plays another snap for Missouri, I think uh, those people have the right to say that that Brady Cook slander is a little unfair. Yep. I think we could at least come to, at the very least, out of this whole exercise, come to that conclusion from this that. The slander got out of hand a little bit, yeah. from myself included. I mean, yeah. there were moments where I was like, get him out. Yeah. Get him out. I want someone else. Yeah. And I think that was unfair to Brady Cook. So tell us in the comments, uh, what did we miss here? What what did? How did I cherry pick this to say a certain thing? <laughs> and uh, if you 
still think Brady Cook is not the answer, explain. And then, you know, we'll reflect on it. But, um, and if you've been ride or die with him this whole time, tell us, I told you so. And uh, we'll agree. Um, I think that's it for this week. Anything else? Uh, let's see here. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Cooper Boyer. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or on Twitter at MissouriSportsPod at Gmail. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at Gmail.com. <laughs> you can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Like just add, just combine them all into one thing. Um, Missouri Sports Pod at twitter.com. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. Find some MySpace. space.